At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. All right, everyone. Welcome on to Hollinger and Duncan. John and I are going to do the pod for about an hour or so, and then we'll take your questions for about 20 minutes or so after that. So uh, let's get to work here, John. And, you know, I've been criticized for this. We cover the NBA. I just, I can't help but kind of be pretty depressed about the state of these playoffs right now. So I was thinking about this the other day. This could end up being the worst finals in NBA history, just in terms of the level of teams that are playing and who's available on the floor. And that's not to disparage the teams that made it to this point. I mean, it's a tournament and injuries are part of it. And they had to fight some tough battles to get to this point. And flags fly forever, no matter what. But I think, you know, you're looking at a situation where you could end up with like the sixth and ninth best records in the league playing in the finals, I think. And, uh, you know, and the sixth best team playing without its best player, right? So it's uh, it's maybe not what we envisioned when these playoffs started. I mean, I was expecting an absolute bloodbath, great battles, all that. And we just didn't get that, mostly because of these injuries and a little bit. I mean, Philly, obviously, face planning didn't help. Uh, but I think the injuries really just took a lot of the steam out of these playoffs. Well, so this now, assuming Giannis misses his next game, which seems like probably a safe bet as we record this right now, we haven't seen anything on that. Uh, although I think the the longer it goes, probably the worse you feel about what the eventual news is going to be. Well, they said no structural damage, but oh, did that did that yeah, come out just now? Yeah, that came out. But there's a difference between no structural damage and hey, let's roll them out there tomorrow. So well, that's yeah, that's actually amazing. Uh, he's listed as doubtful. I mean, that's insane. Uh, and but you know, <laughs> yeah. clearly, clearly he has you know probably a bone bruise and maybe like a knee capsule thing or something. Like it's hard to yeah. imagine that he. I mean, my my guess would still be that he's going to miss the rest of the playoffs. You know, I c- certainly the rest of this series. I mean, the, yes, the finals are set up to last like a freaking month and a half if it goes seven. So maybe he could play by the end of those. But well, but certainly right, so- I wouldn't I wouldn't expect him back for this series. And uh, you know, it's important to note because Trey Young is a bone bruise too. When people say bone bruise, it's not like ha ha the bruise I get on my arm. I mean, that's actually oh, yeah. it's actually a little more serious. Uh, than that. And I didn't really realize this until I worked on the team side, but like there, there's stuff going on when you have a bone bruise. And, and so yeah, that's something that needs to be treated. It's basically almost a fracture, essentially. Yeah. It's like, 
it's yeah. like and so you basically it has to be treated like it's a fracture you just you have to rest otherwise you're just you're going to get a lot of pain i mean i think that's why trey couldn't play i mean like if that was an ankle sprain you know yeah you're at risk of spraining it worse but like the pain from a bone bruise is far more than what you're going to get i think from just like a normal ankle sprain yeah absolutely um so anyway I, but, but back to the overall thing i mean that is amazing to hear about Giannis. that at least you know this isn't gonna be something that's gonna impact him in the next year hopefully and particularly as bad as it looked uh you know there was a concern that you know if there was some kind of a lateral movement as well as opposed to just the hyperextension that that could have impacted the acl that the pcl could be impacted so yeah i mean that's like really fantastic uh, and I mean, he's an incredible athlete to not get injured on that play. But back to what you're saying here. I mean, let's go through with the players who are available right now on the floor. And how many teams did those are, or how many games do those teams win in the regular season, right? If you go through all four of them, I mean, the Suns largely have their team, but Chris Paul is coming back from COVID. You know, so I mm-hmm. think their campaign is injured. So probably a bit fewer than they won during this year's regular season. But that's, you know, that's a solid low to mid 50s winning team probably with phoenix on the floor there yeah i would agree with that they are the most intact by far of any of these teams now yeah clippers without Kawhi, and i mean with uh without zubats too yeah i guess i guess that's true although uh as i talked about with danny the other day i think no zubats actually really helped them win that that game but very very uh, possible uh, but yeah i mean zubats is a it would be an important player in the regular season but i mean how many of the players who are available in tonight's game six how many games does that team win in the regular season on uh, 44 yeah it's paul george's pacers is what it is right <laughs> like that's yeah for, for maybe 47 i mean they've got guys playing at a high level defensively they space the floor like i think you, this could be a very good offensive team in theory like mm-hmm. they, they are kind of more than the sum of their parts because of just that because of the way that they're able to play when they don't have a center out there that just like causes major problems for all these teams that have centers mm-hmm. um atlanta with no trey young yeah Trying to think. They, so they pretty much have everyone else, right? I mean, they finally have Chris Dunn back and Cam Reddish. Um, but yeah, Atlanta without Trey Young, I mean, as well as they played in game four, uh, still think that's a, I mean, probably tops out as a 500 team. Yeah. Maybe you could say their defense would be better and like, you know, maybe they're an average defense and a slightly above average offense with like Gallo. I mean, it's still, it's, guys, it's yeah. still Lou Williams starting at point guard. I mean, how much, how much yeah. of a change in defense are we talking about? Yeah. Not, not a great passing team. Uh, at this point you would say uh so yeah and then the bucks without Giannis you know like last year's Bucks without Giannis had like you know a five net rating but that was a much deeper team this year's team mm-hmm. they've got you know probably seven or eight guys I mean so that's you know there's no DiVincenzo wanna... either remember yeah thank, thanks for that reminder too I mean that's that's another crazy part of this so yeah I mean that's again maybe you know a 45 win team something like that if you're feeling good about it I yeah. mean the, the the best player in that series right now is Chris Middleton yeah, yeah. Who who uh, should have made the All Star team this year, but didn't, and he's got it still sort of a lower level, yeah, East All Star, and yeah. So that's and that's now if Giannis misses the next game, ten All Stars plus Trey Young who have missed times in in these playoffs, and so yeah, I mean that is it's a real bummer, and like I think you can enjoy the drama on the floor because that's what this is leading to. These teams are all kind of pretty evenly matched, and like the, it's leading to maybe some good games, but like what I love the most about the 
NBA is just the absolute best stars, the high level of basketball, the feeling that you are watching the absolute best possible basketball in the world. Guys going all out in a seven game series, trying to adjust to one another, the the strategic elements that the strategic problems that these great players cause other teams. And you're just you're kind of missing that right now. Yeah, we're watching a bunch of 3-6 series, basically. Yeah, and three might even be a little... Uh, yeah, these are like four or five series, maybe. Three in right? the like, East. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I mean, so this year's champion, given the level that they're playing at right now, I think you would have to say this year's champion will probably be the worst champion since 1979, the Sonics. Yeah, you definitely make that case. Uh, even like 94 Rockets probably... And you got Akeem. Yeah, I mean, Akeem is, uh, that Akeem is way better than anybody who's on these teams right now. Yeah, yeah. And then 95 Houston didn't win as many games, but by the the tail end of the playoffs, I mean, they went through the toughest playoff uh, gauntlet of any team in history. And so you'd have to put them ahead. So yeah, you're probably going back to 79. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you could say like 2011 Mavs, I mean, that was still, you know, a high 50s win team in the regular season. They also went through... A crazy gun. They went through like Kobe and KD and uh, you know LeBron and Wade in the finals. Swept the Lakers. Had to beat LeBron and Wade in the finals. Yeah. 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 Um, 2006 Miami is maybe another one you could point to, but they beat a 64 win Pistons team that made it to like what six straight East finals. Uh, And then yes. You and know, then th- they, they beat they beat Dirk in the finals, who was the reigning MVP that year. Uh, well, that was actually the next year, but yeah, I mean he he won MVP. Then oh, he yeah. did. You're right. Yeah. Okay, I stand corrected. Yeah, yeah, because that was because uh, he was like the first MVP to lose in the first round in like a really long time. The next year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, uh, yeah, I think you probably would have to go back to like some of those late seventies champions, the 78 Washington, uh, to say that, uh, and this sun team, I mean, you know, maybe if they get everyone back and they're really hitting on all cylinders, you might say that's a little bit harsh on them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, even they are, I mean, they're, they're not playing very well right now either. I I think it's pretty clear. I mean, if the sun's got clicking, you could argue for them as being like a, uh, like the, the Billups Hamilton Pistons. Like on that level, yeah. But those, I mean, and that team, that team also was maybe the greatest defense of all time. Yes, and and they also went through like a, a pretty good gauntlet of uh, opposing well, players. Whereas they, I mean, the Pacers got injured when Indiana maybe could have beat them and had the best record in the East. Uh, they went seven with New Jersey the round before that, even though New Jersey wasn't that good. And then the Lakers had Malone and Peyton go out in the finals. Uh, although they seem to have the Lakers pretty outclassed in that finals. Yeah, Malone being available might have might have definitely changed things a little bit but yeah i mean they still had a like in the regular season like for 26 games they had like a 12 net rating or something after the wallace trade um yeah yeah and, and the reality with the Sun still is that, I mean, I don't think that Devin Booker or Chris Paul are like top 10 players in the league right now if, if everyone is healthy. But obviously, uh, being healthy, it kind of matters as well. And also, I mean, you just, when you look at the teams that the Suns went through, I mean, it's not, you know, you can, some of these teams like, all right, they didn't have that much star power, but they went through teams that did and were really good. I mean, the, if the Suns win it, you know, and let's say Giannis doesn't play in the finals, I mean, the best team they beat was like the Clippers with no Kawhi Leonard during the, uh, uh you know, the Lakers yeah. with no Anthony Davis. I mean, they're just a pretty incredible run of good fortune uh, for the Suns. But, and obviously, I think the other team that just has to be kicking themselves is Philly right now. I mean, to just like, to have not beaten the this- Hawks. 
I mean, just, I mean, you'll never be gifted an opportunity like this, right? Yeah. And, I mean, the, the Jazz kind of too, but the Jazz at least, you know, probably had more injuries than the Philly. Philly jazz can some, blame, but. yeah, Jazz can blame their backcourt injuries. Philly was really felt more self-inflicted. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. All right. Well, I can't wait to watch the rest of the playoffs, uh, but <laughs> so. So, uh, and who do you have winning it now? Suns, I guess? I think you have to go with, well, you don't necessarily have to go with Phoenix, I guess, because, I mean, they've been outscored by the Clippers over the course of this series, right? Like they, these last three games, especially their offenses looked really bad and it shouldn't be this hard to score against the Clippers, but both the Suns and the Jazz have kind of had problems with it. Um, I still think you have to give the advantage to Phoenix because they're up 3-2. They still have a home game left to play. And then in a final series, I think the Giannis thing really changes things where you have to give the advantage to whoever comes out of the West. Or the Trey Young thing, too. I mean, is it like even if the yeah. Hawks somehow win that series, like, is he going to be 100%? You, you know, that you kind of wonder about that yeah. as well. And yeah, and Giannis, even if he's able to return, he especially because he's so reliant on his physicality, you wonder about like how good he could potentially be as well. And the Bucks, uh, their depth is really compromised. I'm glad you brought up the DiVincenzo yeah. being out as well. We, we've kind of forgotten about that aspect. But, I, you know, this Suns Clippers thing, I mean, it would, probably some people will be listening to this will know what happens in game six already you know i might actually make the clippers like slight favorites in games here going forward now that they finally have like decided that oh deandre ayton uh is not prime shack and we can actually like go small against yeah. him and get him get him out of the lane like we don't have to be scared of him like catching it on the roll and uh, killing us but i do wonder too if the they're going this small just the concern about them running out of gas eventually well, but I, I mean yeah definitely concerned about them running out of gas i mean they've been playing every other day since june 2nd i mean it's an entire month of playing every other day and paul yeah. george going 40 plus at playoff intensity in every single one of these so i'm just waiting for them to like break down like the car and the blues brothers um and it, it hasn't happened yet. It looked like it was happening in game four, but then they came back and played really well in game five. But I do wonder if they just like show up for one of these games and just have nothing. Yeah. I, but I, you know, they, they are a, a, in this incarnation again, you know, I think if you look, oh, what would this team be in the regular season? Like there are reasons in the regular season, they wouldn't start Marcus Morris at center all the time and they would start Zubats and they, you know, they'd play a conventional style. Like the, the fact that they've been forced into this and that other teams haven't been able to totally kill them on the other end like they are a very very good offensive team when they go with the, these five out units and they have good enough guards that they you know like beverly has been awesome defensively in this series but yeah we probably shouldn't talk too much more about that because it's going to be obviated two hours after the <laughs> right <podcast> yeah <laughs> comes out um but yeah i mean i guess the suns would be my favorite but man is that just you don't feel amazing uh, about that no. um let's see here what, what else i guess uh i guess actually it's time here to talk about the Michelob ultra player of the week let's let's make this a collaborative process uh, who should be the Michelob ultra player of the week paul george man I, it has to be paul george right i mean I, again this i mean now watch he's gonna go three for 31 tonight or something but i mean he's he's been the best player in this round nope i, I think uh, and i mean he hasn't had a great shooting game until this last one but i mean he's had probably the best game that anyone has had 
in this round trey young in the was pretty good too he if he if he didn't have the bone bruise it might have been him but instead paul george i hope is worth it Uh, it's only worth it if you enjoy it and only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories joy creates success enjoyment isn't the end game it's the whole game and paul george the michelob ultra player of the week can we talk about how strange it was that the announcers were killing him for like half that game? Even, oh, that's not, that's not was, strange Even at as all. he was kicking Phoenix's ass. That's like, not strange at all. Like, that's what, what they what do. It shouldn't surprise do? you in the slightest. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Yeah, a little weird. But, you know, I'm sure he checked his phone at halftime and saw that they were killing him. And so that's why he did well in the, in the second half, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to dave's killer bread i don't know about you guys but when i eat pizza i eat it for the toppings not the crust and when i eat a sandwich it's for what's inside the bread not for the bread but when i throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds thin sliced bread from dave's killer bread it is the epitome of addition by subtraction that thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste killer texture killer nutrition a subtle sweetness and a seed coated crust dave's killer bread is america's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store so we have a a couple of interesting organizational news items here and let's start with the situation in portland i know you've written on this uh with david aldridge about potential dame destinations but more so with just the process behind the coach hire uh some of the negative headlines that that has engendered uh what secret signal you would have had to your pr person if you were giving a press conference to get them to intervene these are the things that i i would like to know (laughs) see in general with something like this, you're going to sit down with your PR person and anticipate what questions you're going to be asked and how you will answer them. And so, especially with this situation with Billups, where he seemed prepared to answer that question and could have actually delivered an enlightening answer, and the Blazers shut that down, and then Olshay shut down the question about what they did to investigate this whole process, which makes you think that they did a sham investigation. If you're like, if you're not willing to say anything about what the investigation was, then we automatically assume the worst, right? Yeah. And so I thought it was like their their second public relations L since the season ended. And it, you know, it just makes you want. I mean, maybe Billups will turn out to be a fine hire, but um, the the other thing that was really weird was the whole Becky Hammond uh, candidacy, if you can call it that, which seemed pretty obviously token where it's just look at us we're interviewing a woman but it, it like nobody thought she actually had a chance of getting the job and that that whole episode i think was very bizarre very like transparently uh like a transparent a pr move so transparent that everyone saw it for what it was yeah it it did not uh, none of this really seemed to go particularly well. i mean there was there was reporting which i i guess you're not really much of a believer in that becky hammond was the choice of jody allen and there's also a thought that like neil wanted mike d'antoni but that seems to have pretty clearly been a ruse he's subsequent reporting has indicated that he was on Chauncey Billups this whole time and when I say this whole time like (laughs) going back a long time (laughs) 
before before the season ended, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, they were they had some struggles during the year, and there's plenty of speculation about uh, Terry Stotts's job status. So, um, yeah, you know that that's not amazing either, and also the the fact that the employee's title who broke in to interrupt the question is part of her title is uh vice president of community and diversity i think that's uh, and that she would interrupt that line of questioning which apparently is pretty important to the community uh and, and also i read this from quick's thing today that was basically like she just got hired that was like the first that's the first thing that you have to do when you get hired is that yeah i don't i don't understand why that person would be and seeing the the press conference actually because they have like the blazers have other pr people and like and honestly their pr people are generally been pretty good like the whole yeah uh there, there's th- beer in the media era. room there's beer yeah. in the media room i guess that's, so that's, that's, what else do you oh oh i'm sorry there's beer beer not fear i'm sorry yeah yeah no, yeah. no de- definitely yeah that's that definitely wins them some points yeah 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 cleveland you probably got fear in the media room but uh <laughs> uh but uh, or san antonio so i think what i wanted to ask you though is you know, i don't recall that you guys hired someone with this uh, controversial incident like this in their past in memphis but when you do hire people what sort of background checks are kind of standard you know and like what sort of thing is even at your disposal to investigate an incident like this yeah i mean usually you have team security people who have a lot of contacts within the within law enforcement and know places to look and so you're able to do some background checks that maybe aren't available to the public um and hopefully find out some things now this is a little different because because you're talking about an incident from 1997 and it happened across the country. So you're, you know, I, I don't know how hot a trail you're going to be able to follow on that. Uh, but it's it's hard for me to answer that particular one because we never we never had to deal with like a skeleton out of somebody's past like that, that yeah. at least that I can remember. So that that's probably that's probably a difficult one, but I do think you want to you want to lay out at some level what you what you did do uh just to make yourselves credible and Blazers completely failed on that. Yeah, like there is a standard and, you know, Neil said, hey, there's nothing in there that would make him unemployable. Well, that's uh, obviously a subjective standard. Let me me interrupt for one second. Uh, We should point out that Chauncey Billups was never found guilty of anything. Oh, absolutely. Um, So this is an alleged incident that happened. And the, the allegations are harrowing and serious, but they are allegations. So there's the whole question of how you deal with that as well. No, absolutely. And I think you, you have to try to look into the truth of the matter. Uh, and the reality is, too, that you know we have a criminal justice system for a reason. And also that, you know, something that happened 24 years ago, some people will agree, some people will disagree about whether that makes you employable or not, even if uh, that incident did, in fact, happen. And you know, certainly everybody glows about Billup's character since then. That's that's not dispositive of whether something happened 24 years ago. So I, but I do think what, getting back to it, having some transparency about the investigation, because obviously they came to the conclusion that this isn't a big enough deal to not hire him. And so obviously Neil O'Shea wanted to hire him, has this previous relationship with him. The default was going to be, this is the guy we want to hire. So we're going to come to a conclusion that 
allows us to hire him. Like that's a reasonable <laughs> assumption to make. And so to say, if you're okay, we hired a law firm to do an independent investigation or, you know, I mean, I don't think you need to go into, all right, we, we our investigation established that, you know, he left his house at this time, like that kind of stuff. But you need to, so you don't have to say here are the exact factual findings we had, but at least say what the investigation consisted of, right? Like that's yeah. where I think that it's really that they're doing everyone a disservice here. Yeah. You, you, I mean, at least throw us a bone, give us some breadcrumbs that we can follow that, that sort of lets us know, okay, what, what, you know, what, what was your process? How thorough were you? Like, and they, they just, they just didn't give anything. And so yeah. that makes us, that makes everyone doubt that they did anything. Well, so now Chauncey Billups is going to be the head coach. What did you make of Damian Lillard's tweets and then the Chris Haynes report about his unhappiness? How seriously should we be taking that right now? I thought, uh, shout out to Chris Mannix. I thought he had a really good line that Lillard is the guy who doesn't know how to break up with his girlfriend. Um, <laughs> you know, I think he's questioning the situation and is trying to, but he doesn't want to be that guy either. And the fact is, there's no good way out of this, right? And, you know, he still has three years at least left on his deal too. So his leverage isn't that great at the moment. Um, so... It seems like almost what you do is sort of this passive aggressive thing where you where you sort of let them dig their own grave um, and, and then you push harder, maybe. But it's going to it's going to be really interesting to see how this evolves over the summer, depending on the moves that the Blazers make. Yeah, I think there's a, a couple of components to this. I, I think one was just genuine frustration about how he was being portrayed in Portland on social media. You know, like Canizaro wrote this column that blamed him for the billups hire which i don't you know and, and that be, because of this things in billups past that dame shouldn't have done that I, I don't think that's fair to dame lillard like damian lillard works for an organization and it's their responsibility to do this and you know he has a relationship with chauncey billups he's he shouldn't be like combing through police reports from when he was <laughs> exactly. seven years old like that's not yeah. a fair expectation for damian lillard like he, he this is just a professional environment and he's just you know he's gonna evaluate who who he wants to be coached by based on basketball reasons and i don't think pushing something beyond that onto him is fair you know all right if, if there's a conviction and there's stuff in the public record okay maybe something where it's just like so obvious then okay maybe that's a, a different story but this is not one of those situations so i think some of the blowback that he's been getting in portland is unfair and my initial interpretation of that particularly because now they've gone ahead with the billups hire and they've also you know given him this long contract and billups is still there despite that is just that it was like hey like i'm really upset by the way this is being portrayed and knock it off everybody unless you want me to leave like i think that's kind of how i saw it more as just like uh, then uh, this is him trying to force his way out of portland right now with respect to the organization i think it's i think it's more like i'm thinking about forcing my way out <laughs> yeah well I, and yeah. i'm not i'm not i'm not quite i'm not I'm not quite there yet, but it's de it's definitely on the table at this point. Well, and you know, you I, you're the Mannix line is a great one because how many people stay with someone because they're like, oh, I don't want to hurt him or I have to let him let him down easily or whatever. But yeah. when you do that, uh, this may be getting too philosophical, but when you know that you want to break up with someone and you drag it out, you think that you're doing it for them to like let them down gently or something, but you're really doing it for you. You're doing it so that you don't have to feel bad when in reality, mm -hmm 
if you don't want to be with that person, it's better for everyone that you communicate that and end the relationship then. And it's the same case, I, I think, for Portland. And I think before this coaching hire was made, particularly after the way they went out in the playoffs, then Denver gets completely destroyed. You know, he had the, I think he had a tweet basically being like, I can't, you know, that essentially implied like we lost to these dudes and now they're getting like hopelessly sl- swept by the Suns. So like yeah. how far away must we have been? Uh, yeah. I think this would have been an opportune time to do it. It's easier to make trades in the summer. I think that people might have understood if uh, he wanted to move on, but he's kind of, he still has this great reputation as a leader and a winner and, you know, being this part of the Portland community. And clearly he, I, I think he doesn't, he values that and doesn't want to lose that, but he also might prefer to go play basketball somewhere where he has a chance to win a championship. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I still think he, prefer that chance come in Portland. I, I do think he values being sure. that guy who, who you know, was an all-time great with one team for his whole career, but he's getting to his KG moment where he realizes there's limits to that. Yeah, I mean, he's 31 now, too. Like, this is, frankly, at, at his size, it's pretty impressive that he was able to play at the level he was in these playoffs. Um, you know, the, I think he's playing at a better level than I thought he would be when he signed that contract. And from Portland's standpoint, too, right, this... this the, the fact that he's under contract is a good thing, but it could easily become a bad thing if, if things kind of change there too, because that is a lot of money for a 34-year-old and then the player option as well. So that's, I think it really would be better for both sides if they just move on. But, you know, Neil O'Shea is yeah. trying to hang on to his job. He's under pressure yeah. now and they just signed Billups. And, and we'll see Billups, you know, the length of this deal could indicate that he's okay with trying to build something new here as well if Dame leaves and he might understand that possibility but yeah I, I wonder if he yeah i wonder if he asked for the length of this contract as insurance against getting silas yes <laughs> so which is which is yeah. my new encompassing term for any time you take a job thinking you'll be coaching a superstar and end up coaching a 21 team instead oh yeah um, I, i've been using that on my pod now that's a it's a, a great term of course we are brought to you today by spotify green room used to be locker room now it's spotify green room tons of lockdown hosts are doing it john and i do it on wednesdays when we record usually that's going to be two eastern 11 pacific but now that john is back on the road went to the combine last week that's gonna have to change every once in a while but we'll keep you posted on twitter check it out at nate duncan nba for the official time as we come up to it and then danny larue and i also do a locker room weekly six eastern three pacific on tuesdays and it's just a great chance to jump in have a conversation with us it's like sports radio but actually the callers are smart and interesting and get a chance to go back and forth with us it's a a lot of fun so go download the free green room app now it's currently available on all ios devices you create a profile you can link your twitter join the nba group for the latest league updates you can follow me at nate duncan nba you get notified when my room goes live and we will see you there every week green room changing the way we talk sports What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. 
Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. You bring up an interesting fact, though, which is, like, is it so bad for Portland at this point if they end up trading Lillard? Like, I don't think they're a realistic championship contender the way they're built. I don't think their salary cap structure lends them to ever getting to that point um, with the deals they have on the table. And they would get a freaking fortune in a Lillard deal right now. Yeah, and it's easier to get more, I think, during the offseason than at the trade deadline for reasons that that we've discussed before. And, and, you know, it's one thing, like, okay, making the playoffs – potentially it's a, it wouldn't it's not impossible that they could have home court advantage in the first round make it to the second round i agree i don't see a path for them to be a championship contender no matter how much pressure dame puts on them to try to get better you know they made even, this even yeah. even in these playoffs yeah i mean they made this powell deal it resign him and they already gave up two first round picks to get covington and and you know if nurkic doesn't get hurt if they could just fix their bench defense you know i could see them being like in the middle of that west playoff picture again next year so that's not worth nothing but i think when you've sort of been with this essentially the same group now this is six playoffs in a row that they've made they've made it to the conference finals once in a very easy bracket they've only made the second round i think one other time i'm sorry well yeah one other time you know since we'll say since aldridge left uh one other time and it took the clippers suffering a boatload of injuries for them to get to that in 2016 and they've had some pretty ugly first round defeats like i think you've explored the ceiling of this group and also the reality is that you know dame lillard is probably about the 10th best player in the nba and this is about the team that you get when you build a team around the 10th best player in the nba like i don't that maybe if you yeah. do an unbelievable job you can be better but this is kind of about where i would have expected them to be given who their best player is and some decent with guys no, with around no it. with no other all-star on the roster yeah. yeah 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 if you if you got and even if you had like you know a lower level all-star who wasn't as good as dame i still don't think you're necessarily a championship contender in most seasons mm-hmm. so i think you you've kind of there isn't much ceiling left to explore with this group you know whereas if you're the chicago bulls yeah you would love to build up to having the next six years be what the last six years was in portland because you've just been so bad so far but you know you've kind of you've seen what this can be and, and adding one more year to that era i don't think that that that's worth that much i don't know blazers fans might disagree and i'm sure they'd love to have dame retire in a blazers uniform but this isn't steph curry who's already won three championships right like he wants to win at the highest level still and so for him to go through this entire his entire career with the blazers and have one conference finals where they got swept and one other second round appearance as like the highlights it's just i don't think it's realistic for a guy of his caliber to stay in one place that long when those are the highs. Yeah, absolutely. And this, I mean, this was the exact point when they moved on from Clyde Drexler, um, you know, to, to offer one parallel. And I mean, that was a team that had gotten to the finals and gotten to a game six of the conference finals twice like that, you know, they, they, they had a little more uh, in their bag uh, in terms of accomplishments. Um, so you wrote about this with DA today. Mm-hmm. Any, we don't need to get too into the weeds here, but any destinations that come to mind for you 
for Lillard? Uh, I think New York is the one that stands out to me. Uh, they, they can take in the contract. They can they can trade a bunch of picks. They can trade Toppin. They can trade, uh, you know, potentially quickly. Um, they, they can just put a lot in there and then they can save Portland so much money uh, because they can take them into room. Uh, you know, Blazers generate a huge exception that way. They can do other stuff with it, similar to how Memphis did two years ago with the Conley deal. Um, and I think New York would be a place that would be high on Lillard's list of places he'd want to end up. So th- that's the one that stands out to me. That There are definitely other teams that can get into this and will certainly try to get into this. But New York is the one that stands out to me in terms of the the opportunity, the um the desirability for the player, and then the I think the team would be willing to push their chips in for him. So a couple of thoughts there. Number one, I think, you know, is R.J. Barrett enough of a centerpiece in that deal for Portland? If I'm New York, I would say so. Yeah, I'm not as high on Barrett, but he also mm-hmm. has a was a number three overall pick. He's got some superficial stats that look pretty good. You know, maybe you can sell him as a as a piece to your fan base uh, as well. Mm-hmm. They can put some better pieces around uh, R.J. Barrett. But uh, you know, and pairing Randall and Damian Lillard together now is that team better? than the Portland Trailblazers have been the last six years? Shh. <laughs> now, it's New York, right? More people yeah. want to go there. There's maybe yeah. just some appeal of like being a big star in New York and being in the East. Um, but I, I don't see that as a championship contending group. You know, like ultimately Dame is going to have to join up with a player who's better than him if he, I think if he realistically expects to win a championship. So, it, you know, if, if to me, if I'm Lillard and all I care about is winning, is it worth kind of giving up the Portland legacy to go to New York? I mean, maybe you just think that there are then other moves that you can make because you're New York. Um, that, and- that, that would have to be part of the equation, I think, is is just thinking that people will want to come if you're the Knicks, whereas it might not happen if you're, yeah. you know, if you go to, say, New Orleans. Like, you know, you could you could drop some pretty good New Orleans scenarios. I mean, uh, you know, in the article I did with David, we mentioned putting Brandon Ingram into deal, obviously. But there, there are ways you could possibly do it without Brandon Ingram because they have so much draft equity they can put on the table. Um which would be interesting, like Lillard, Ingram, Williamson. Okay, like that, you know, you might give up 120 yeah. points a game, but you're sort of set up like Brooklyn where it's like, who cares? We're going to score 150. Yeah, or you could then trade Ingram for something else. I would imagine, though, that Portland would be quite insistent that Brandon Ingram be in that. It also just doesn't seem like someone wants, like, like Dave Lillard, it's, he's going to have a say in this of where he wants to go. I know he's under contract yeah. for three more years, uh, but it just seems kind of unlikely that that he would want to go to New Orleans. Um, that that's yeah. I think that's one of those where he starts sending out smoke signals through his agent that that uh, thank you but no thank you, and then and then that cools it off for them. Uh, what do you, what do you think about uh, Philly with Ben Simmons? Yeah, I, I've said this before that that just doesn't have a ton of appeal to me. If I'm Portland now, if he really demands out, it, could that possibly be the best deal? I guess maybe it would make more sense for a three way trade. I just don't really like rebuilding around Ben Simmons. If it's part of it is just selling it to your fan base, he is an all star. Is he going to sell tickets or whatever? I don't know. like to me. He's just good enough to get you to where you're not where you want to be in the draft as you're trying to rebuild. Yeah. You, that that's the move you make if you're trying not to bottom out. Yeah, which is probably the wrong move, though. Right. Um, I mean, I think the better move with where they are is if you trade Lillard, like you turn around and trade Covington and Nurkic and McCollum too. 
Absolutely. I mean, and, and even it, you might hope to get some of those guys to just come with you as well to uh, to wherever the new place is and be part of the deal. What about the Celtics for Jalen Brown? <laughs> See, I... I hadn't thought of that one. I, man, you know, if I'm Boston, like I like, I kind of like Jalen Brown's contract better than better than Lillard's. Yeah, but I mean, Lill- Lillard and Tatum, that's like that. Is, and then, I mean, probably the other thing you would hope to get is just uh, maybe see if you you could maybe even put Al Horford in that deal and get back like Covington and Nurkic as well. Maybe that could be part of it um, to to mm-hmm. get a little bit more depth and kind of would be we're gonna be Portland, but we just add to Jason Tatum <laughs> it's kind of, that's kind yeah. of like what your team would be yeah but yeah. and I think the appeal there might be that you know, now Jalen Brown is under contract for three more years just like Lillard maybe you, you run into that same issue if you're Portland of you know we'd probably rather just rebuild with guys on rookie contracts so uh, like I think Jalen Brown is good I would much rather have him than Ben Simmons but I'm also then in the same situation of all right where are we going with Jalen Brown and now we're going to rebuild with a bunch of draft picks like we're, are we going to you know we're going to try and win 35 games like what are we doing here you know I think there you you think oh yeah young player on a contract but just Jalen Brown and nothing is there a lot of appeal there I, I not to me maybe Neil O'Shea fighting for his job would feel differently yeah yeah that's like you say I mean that's another Another one where you're, you're doing it more to prevent bottoming out where the thing you probably need to do is just bottom out yeah or are you going to try to like be respectable this year with Jalen Braun basically replacing Lillard on your team you see the problem is you like you miss out on getting stuff for Covington and Nurkic then because they're in the final years of their deal yeah um yeah, I don't know. I like I would go ahead and move those guys. You can get stuff. I mean, they're on good numbers too. Like you can get stuff for them. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, I mean Covington. Maybe he could get the Robert Covington package for Robert Covington. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although he's only got one year left now, and he probably With one year his, left. Yeah, his star is probably falling a little bit, but you could probably get a first round pick for him. Um, yeah, I would think so. Most protein bars are awful. I like to work out. I've tried basically all of them. And before Built Bar, I'd resigned myself to the idea that they're all going to taste like a rock quarry. But now, with 18 amazing flavors, the improved Built Bar is even more delicious. There's six new flavors. Caramel Brani, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Bar Sia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp. Of course, there are classics like Raspberry, Peanut Butter, Double Chocolate, Peanut Butter Brani. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. That makes a huge difference. By the way, they're soft and easy to chew, but they're still great for the health conscious person. For example, peanut butter, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. Great for a keto diet. And you can even get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. If the last year has taught us anything, it's that we don't really need bricks and mortar stores anymore. Going to your local auto parts store really was not a good experience to begin with. In that front area, they never really had anything other than just totally generic stuff. And then you would go to that desk, you probably had to wait in line while the one person who was there at the counter tried to find the part that the person in front of you wanted. And then finally, when you got up there, you would ask for your part and they'd say, oh yeah, we can order that. It'll be here in two weeks. Well, great. I could have just stayed at home and used rockauto.com, got my part faster and saved a bunch of money. Change stores at different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. 
So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car and truck. You just put your make and model in there, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. Okay. Wanted to talk to you a little bit about your trip to the combine and you wrote a piece on some of the rumors there. And one of the big things that you had that I wanted to expand on is that there seems to be an expectation that the Warriors are going to try to make a trade using James Wiseman and the number seven pick. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this comes as a shock to people. I mean, they need to maximize this, the the tail end of the Steph Draymond era. And I think really that, you know, those two playing games really expose that they just don't have enough around those guys yet. And even with Clay coming back, I think it's uncertain what he comes back as and at what level. And even if he came back as the Clay of old, I think you still question the overall strength of that team, uh, certainly compared to what they had a few years ago. And so what the assets you have to go and get that other star. I mean, you have good stuff with seven and with Wiseman, but you got to put it on the table. Well, and also I think they need the salary of Wiseman. To, they, yeah, to potentially. Him. I mean, you could, it depends if Wiggins is in the deal or not, but if he's, if, if not, then that nine million for Wiseman, you could potentially sign the seventh pick and then trade him a month later, uh, throw in Kevon Looney. And now you get to 20. Now you can do some stuff, right? Yeah. You could, I mean, those sign the guy and trade him a month later. Those could be a little more difficult. I think there's only, I want to say there's only one of those that's been done, which is the, the Wiggins the, for love. The Wiggins, yeah, yeah. But um, so you mentioned that there's a thought that maybe Pascal Siakam would be involved there. Uh, do you want to expand on on what the conception of that might be? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're Toronto, where you're looking to maybe not do a full reload, but maybe it's a time to take a half step back and try to try to kind of get get to your next generation. You look at that Siakam deal with the three years left, and you're kind of maybe having a little bit of buyer's remorse. Uh, he's he's a little older than Ananobi, uh, certainly, and a couple of the other guys there. And I mean, he's a pretty perfect fit for Golden State if you look at next year roster. I mean, if you go out there with Curry and Thompson in the backcourt and then Siakam and Green in the frontcourt, I, I think that's pretty tempting. And then obviously, if you're Toronto, you get Wiggins back, who's a Canadian, who's from that area. Uh, you know, I think they've always kind of looked more favorably on Canadian players there for obvious reasons. Uh, so that could be another incentive for you. And then you're, again, you're getting really good assets out of this when you talk about, you, okay, Wiseman is variable depending on who you talk to, but certainly getting the seventh pick. So that's interesting. I, 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 so, because that's what I was wondering is like, is Wiggins in that deal? And if you see Wiggins as kind of a see, negative contract, then maybe that makes some more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Siakam's number next year is 33, right? I think it's tough for Golden State to get to a match on that without, uh, with, without Wiggins being the deal. I guess you could theoretically get there. You'd have to, there'd have to be a lot of smileys in that deal though yeah i i I calculated it out if they did the conception you're talking about and they also put 14 in there and you know they could maybe involve Ubre and a sign and trade depending on yeah yeah an Ubre sign and trade would be the other way to get there yeah but i you know is pascal siakam actually better for the warriors than andrew wiggins is like i realize siakam is a superior player in a vacuum but you do already have green do they want to commit to playing green at center 
full time and then they still don't really have like a great wing stopper at the three i realize wiggins is not like unbelievable there but he helped he can guard his position one-on-one and he hit shots enough this season like i think he was a valuable player for them and i think that the role of wiggins is kind of harder to fill than siakam but then you also throw in that you're making the trade with uh number seven and wiseman with i don't know what wiseman's value is but number seven is pretty good value yeah and yeah and you're also getting back pascal siakam who's on a bad contract himself i do like the idea of having another guy who can work into the mid-range and score you know the lack of shooting between siakam and draymond is not great like where does siakam stand when draymond's doing all his stuff with the ball i worry about that i worry about draymond being the center full-time for an entire season that seems it's like something they've wanted to avoid so i don't know that i would want to do that if i were golden state well, I think if you're Golden State, you're going to have to get a center either way, right? I mean, I think I think you, you you're not believing in Wiseman at this point, right? Uh, cer- certainly, yeah. Kevon Looney's not the answer, so that they do have to find a center from somewhere either way, and that doesn't mean they can't play with Draymond at the five, but and maybe play a whole playoff series even with Draymond on the five, but you're not getting through 82 games with Draymond at the five. Yeah, they. Got, they, they did it for like two months this year and i mean it looked awesome as well right but yeah I, I mean they they didn't technically start him at the five but he played a lot of minutes at the five against backup groups um all right we got here maybe like 10 more minutes before we do the q a uh you want to do like a couple of like quick postmortems here on on some more of the vanquished teams we we got wrapped up in philly and ben simmons last week so but we still got brooklyn out there we got utah out there maybe utah is an interesting one to talk about yeah let's do, the let's front do, office stuff yeah let's talk about utah because i mean there'd been whispers for a while that there was bad juju between uh quinn snyder and dennis Lindsay, and i think that finally came to a head here i think andy larson did some really good reporting on that yes whole situation and so uh which is unfortunate but i think it's it's really hard for a front office coach relationship uh to to really stay on a on a good footing for for several years like it's just because your your interests are so at odds with each other usually i mean coaching is so much about the present and front office work is so much about the future and what's next you're just on completely different wavelengths how you, how you look yeah. at your team and how but, you look at the league or in and, the case uh, of so, uh in the case of drafting Yudoka Azubuke or wanting to play favors and Gobert together uh the front office work is about the past <laughs> rather, rather yeah well yeah yeah <laughs> well that that could be too although i mean that that part felt a little bit like a like a parting shot i mean they they, yeah. they did a lot of other stuff there that was yeah. built more toward a modern game no absolutely um, and, and Lindsay, overall i think you did a very solid job there, like getting getting yeah. gobert and mitchell at the places that they did you could complain about some other stuff but that's it, they did pretty well there uh, i think overall i mean they you don't get building a 60 win team from stretch with without you know knowing what you're doing a little bit but if they're not but if yeah. he and quinn couldn't even talk to each other then obviously like a change needed to be made yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so uh i think there's going to be a market for him i mean he's got a really good track record so i'm interested to see what his next move is i like i i don't think he's just going to stay as an advisor to the utah jazz certainly no that seems that seems unlikely uh and, and that's what some of the reporting indicated but what about just their situation going forward here now and trying to resign Mike Conley potentially um maybe that's a good place to start it's like what do you see Mike Conley's market as being what's like a fair contract 
contract for him given the fact that he's played at an all-star level when healthy but has really struggled with this hamstring thing the last couple of years he's 34. Yeah, so I think it's certainly he's not going to get the contract that he had, right? Uh, but, you know, maybe when you look at something in the, what do you think? He probably gets like a two-year deal, maybe 40 to $45 million. Yeah, it seems like along those lines, yeah, something in the 40 to $60 million guaranteed. You know, is there a third year out there yeah. for him? Maybe it would be a third year partial guarantee, particularly for a team that maybe doesn't have the space to give him as much and this could be the jazz too honestly as a way to i mean that's that's what we did that's what we did with vince carter essentially when we signed him we didn't realize he would you know defy the laws of aging but we gave him a three-year deal with a partial on the third year to kind of give an extra fill-up of money because we only had the mid-level exception to offer him in years one and two um turned out the third year of the contract was his best year (laughs) that he had for us but we didn't know that going in uh so yeah you could see something like that with with mike where you know maybe a team only had 20 million in room but they could say hey we'll give you you know 50 million over three but it's on a partial third year yeah no that that does make sense but i mean uh, do you see other suitors out there for him outside of utah uh i think the knicks could be in play because they need a point guard and they're in a win now mode setting aside whether they ought to be in a win now mode i think they are yeah um with Tom Thibodeau, you think so? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what about Miami? Yeah, I, I think they're hoping to fry some bigger fish. But yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. So I don't, I you know, with Dinwiddie out there, Dinwiddie versus Conley, I think is kind of eye of the beholder. I think Kyle Lowry will probably be ahead of either of those two. And, you know, CP is out there too, although you have to imagine he's going to be going back to, to Phoenix. But I think teams will at least want to get an idea of whether oh, he would be the, uh, first. The team to watch with Conley is Dallas, though. I mean, sure. they were they were the team that was after him when he was a free agent last time, and he re-signed with us. So yeah, I would definitely keep an eye on Dallas. They can get to looks like twenty five in room, right? Yeah. So yeah, possibly even more than that if if they if Josh Richardson opts out, which who knows what he's going to do there. I, I think he probably said, but he might just want out of there at this point. Yeah. So yeah, so I think he's going to have other suitors. You know, it makes the most sense for him to return to the Jazz, and but I mean, this tax bill for the Jazz is just going to be astronomical. So they probably got to get off of some guys right i mean is that if they bring back conley ingles favors or clarkson at least one of those guys i think has got to go yeah that's where you know then capitulating on the gobert extension wasn't great um they i mean they dodged a bullet on mitchell right because that could have cost him another five million a year when they you know they were going to give him the bonus for making third team all nba and th- that could have been an expensive mistake. But Gobert's number goes from $27 million to 35 now. You know, they gave him the five-year Supermax, which I, I don't feel like they needed to do that. And now they're going to start paying for that. So I think the first thing you're going to see, I mean, if there's a guy who goes, I mean, it's got to be Derek Favors, right? He's making 9.7 for a, a five-minute roll, which is why I didn't I didn't really understand this in the first place. I thought like a Justin Holiday type make more sense for Utah uh, for their postseason, even though Favors might have helped them more in the regular season. Uh, and I think we saw that play out. So I, I think that's the, the first domino is uh yeah. is favors but, and then, but what are you willing I mean, to give up to get off of him though is, is the question and what can you like I they mean, don't it, have much in the way of seconds i don't think a team yeah. wants to just take him at this point right probably not i mean you know what can you do with that 30th pick 
to, to improve your cap situation? Um, you know, or, you know, do you, do you have to do favors and angles as a package deal? But man, now, now you really start getting thin on the perimeter and have to start, you know, moving, moving dominoes there. Uh, again, I mean, that as a Buike pick, not, like not picking a perimeter player there and then doing all this other stuff with Tony Bradley and Ed Davis or whatever, just to, just to handle the front court situation. Like I think, I think that really there's some opportunity costs with that where they could have fortified their perimeter and, and been in better shape there and now that's gonna maybe come back on them here yeah because not only uh, we're solely talking about the finances and keeping this group together at this point but i think the series against the clippers showed that they need at least one more decent perimeter defender as well so i mean ideally you'd be adding more athleticism on the wing to this group rather than talking about having to cut some money yeah exactly and you know I'm sure they're hoping that Mie Oni or, or Elijah Hughes can can fill some of that, but we just we just haven't seen that yet. So this this was the idea that I had: uh, the 30th pick, mm-hmm. Joe Ingles, and their likely 2024 first rounder to Oklahoma City for Lou Dort. Ooh, is that a deal? That's... Is that you know? I, I posed this uh, on my pod before, but wanted to get your thoughts on it. Is that is that like just not enough for Lou Dort, especially because? considering how good my, his contract is? Huh. See, my first instinct is that it's almost too much for Lou Dort, but I mean, his contract is so good, you're right, that maybe maybe not. Um, you know, could you trade Joe Ingles for something and instead of just just dropping him on the Thunder because the Thunder are going to get get paid twice, right? Coming and going. Well, yeah, that's kind of like that's that. kind of part of the part of the appeal there as well. And also, like the See, Thunder, I would I would, I would go more like thirty the tw- 2024 first and favors for Lou Dort. I don't know. I, I think that might be a little better. Yeah. Well, you also then you have to pay the Thunder to take on the next year of his contract as well, that ten million dollar player option. But you know, to me, Ingles. Yeah. He's just not really a playoff guy at this point in time. It definitely helps you. I mean, I, I probably had him as my as second for my sixth man behind Thaddeus Young. I think he's better than Clarkson, but he's just, he's gotten to the point where he's just too slow defensively at this point in time. And so it's just really difficult to play him against the best teams in the playoffs. And so, you know, I think like moving on from him is not the end of the world. And he's someone who would have positive value to another team. But that's the sort of trade yeah. where you're someone who's on a cheaper contract and you're giving up draft pick equity to get younger, get more athletic, and also get cheaper at the same time. Maybe it's not Lou Dort, yeah. maybe it's somebody else. That, yeah, that I think conceptually, like that is something that Utah needs to target. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and Jordan Clarkson kind of falls into the same category as well. He's got a longer deal, though, than Ingles, but because he just won six man, maybe he actually would have some positive trade value, but another guy who's just kind of pretty limited defensively, and if you're going to have Conley and Mitchell, you just need more athleticism on the perimeter aside from those guys you got two six one guards in your backcourt yeah the other thing you could look at is is there a sign and trade with conley that gets you you know a six seven guy who can guard on the perimeter and make some shots yeah and maybe just throw jonathan mitchell the ball uh, all the time i mean i think again you're a little low on passing though i still think that they're like yeah. Donovan Mitchell is still a guy who is pretty shoot first, but you know, I mean, maybe he can just play the Gilbert Arenas role and kind of be the point guard, but still be a, a shoot first player. Yeah. Again, I mean, when you don't have like a true blue superstar, which I don't think Utah does, you know, you just 
like you're making all these marginal trade-offs, it's really hard. Like it's really impressive they had the year they had actually, and that they built this team up to this point with without like that one guy. Uh, but you're going to see in these coming years, I think, how hard it is to maintain at that level. Yeah, and I'm sure they hope that Mitchell will get there. Some people in Utah would argue that Mitchell is at that level. But again, I, I wouldn't put him in like the top 15 players in the NBA necessarily at this point in time. All right, I think that's I not either. Uh, I think that's uh, pretty good here for today's podcast and we will talk to y'all next week but let's get into our speaker requests here so y'all feel free to jump those in there we'll take a few questions here from the comments uh let's start here richard lee asked uh who do you see being a good coaching hire in new orleans to help appease zion news that jock vaughn it has is not going to be pursuing opportunities he has someone who'd been bandied about as potentially a, a guy there so I and mean, this one feels like kind of a first-time head coach though doesn't it yeah it does they can't afford to not get a first-time head coach basically i mean they're paying stan van gundy uh top dollar for i think three more years so i I oh, no, no. It was, it was a mutual parting of the ways. They don't have to pay him. Oh, uh, my my mistake. Yes, of course. Uh, how, how dare I say something to the contrary? Um, I've heard really good things about Charles Lee, though. Uh, so I, I think that would be a really interesting hire. Another name I think you're still hearing is Teresa Weatherspoon. Um, yeah. Who obviously has roots down there and has some connections with the players that are there. Uh, that would be a groundbreaking hire, obviously. Uh, Jock Vaughn pulling his name out? Uh I mean, I hate to say it. I think there might be some size of relief based on how things went in Orlando. Um, now, I mean, uh, although he did well, argue, I thought last year with he with did, the Nets. So I was about to say the bubble Nets. He definitely he got a lot out of a team that was very injured. Uh, so I think he he helped himself with that. I would completely agree with that. And their defense this year, I think he was like their defensive guy. Uh, their defense in the Bucks series was good. Like I, I thought he's. I think he's done. You know, I agree with you on his previous tenure, but I think. He he's done what you kind of need to do as an assistant and an interim guy to maybe deserve another shot like i right. i'm not going to judge him solely i mean we'll put it this way if jason kidd can get another shot like jack bond would probably get another oh shot. my goodness yeah yeah really yeah that's what's so wild about the kid thing right like, he, like he's forget all the other stuff with the with the you know the the background and what's going on with with dallas and the harassment uh stuff that happened there and everything like is it like is he even a good coach like that's that's the part that it has me scratching my head yeah so feel free by the way guys to get some uh you can ask questions here i'm not getting any speaker requests it might be due to the technical difficulties but feel free to ask some questions in the room we'll we'll get to that uh just in text form uh or you can ask to speak uh all right yeah here, here we go actually uh before we get to this one from rome um we're going to talk about the Blazers. Let's talk a little bit about this Dallas thing, John, because this is my interpretation of the Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd hires, that it's really just about changing the perception of the organization in the league and trying to attract that second star to play with Luka. Yeah, I mean, I think that pro that probably had something to do with it. I actually wonder if this was already in the works and that that's why Donnie Nelson uh, ended up uh, pushed out. That uh, They definitely had... I mean, they thought they had their second star in Porzingis, and now they realize they don't. And the trouble for Dallas is that they've, they've, like, Cuban has always been trying to play this free agent game ever since they won the championship, ironically, and has 
just taken the L so many times um, on these players they pursued. I mean, we talked about Conley before, but, you know, the DeAndre Jordan thing with the locking him in the uh, apartment or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, you know, they, they set aside room for uh, to to pursue. I mean, even for this year, they set aside room to pursue. Oh, we're going to pursue Giannis. We're going to pursue Paul George and all these other guys. And none of them became free agents. So I think they're kind of scratching their heads trying to figure out how they get another guy in there for Luca. And so, so I think that was, that was part of it. And I think that maybe also a realization that just they kind of needed to change. I mean, things went sideways this year in Dallas on, on multiple levels. And, you know, there's some great reporting by Tim Cato over the, the athletic where I work, um, about the, the situation there and some, Dysfunction in the in the front office between Carlisle and Bob Volgaris and Donnie Nelson and so I I think there was just a lot going on there but so Nico Harrison I didn't really know much about him but from what I've from what I've read and heard since then I mean this is kind of an interesting hire because he has uh, worked at a high level on the on the uh, Nike side for for a long time and has you know has these relationships and dealt with some of the same things that you deal with in an NBA front office yeah and certainly someone that everyone raves about seems to be like a high emotional intelligence guy which uh you know the Mavs maybe could use an upgrade on uh given some of the yeah. some of the, the the figures there uh so it, I, I think that's a that's a good point although I was disappointed that you left out the failed pursuits of Dwight Howard and Darren Williams in your uh list of Mavs oh free, free yeah thank fails. you thank you uh but, yeah. yeah Jose Calderon and uh Monte Ellis coming down okay um let's <laughs> let's get some more here and for uh uh Rome could you see the Blazers compromising their their draft future this summer in an effort to appease Lillard. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, especially with the GM being on the clock. The the problem is the uh, the first round pick they already owe to Houston is top fourteen protected through two thousand twenty seven. So it's going to make it hard for them to put in a first available that is super tempting for for another team. Well, wait because... a minute, isn't, isn't that uh no that just conveys this year right? The, then they're done. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. I had it as a future, but yeah, they're done. Okay, so scratch that analysis. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. uh, compromise away with your future, baby. Compromise, compromise away. Exactly. Unfettered. Yeah. 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 Uh, that, that is definitely on the table. I mean, they obviously have contracts to put in deals. I'm sure Derek Jones Jr. will be very available once he opts in. Um, you know, you look at some of these other deals, uh, con- contracts that they have. I mean, could McCollum and multiple firsts get you something, um, the, but, they yeah, have a what few is, different ways to that? go. Who's better than CJ? That's uh, that's. I mean, the CJ for Simmons thing is being talked about a lot, and that that'll be a funny pissing match about which of those players has more value between Simmons and CJ. Yeah, I. I don't. I actually don't see either team doing that. No, perhaps not. I I might uh, want to get I, off of CJ now, though. He looked very mortal in the playoffs and at age thirty. Yeah, and and for a guy who usually does not look that way in the playoffs, right? Um, yeah. And that you know, a hundred million over the next three years. Yeah, that's a little scary for sure. Um, okay, here's a, another one. Uh, Phil Flores, do you think Detroit could actually pass on Cade, or is this green to Detroit thing just bunk? It is definitely not just smoke. Uh, I have that on pretty good authority. Like, they like Jalen Green. They are intrigued by him. 
Uh, his upside is a score. Uh, now, if he's your guy, do you take him at one or do you do like a like a Fultz Tatum thing and try to move down to two or three and and get some draft equity out of it and then take him? Uh, that I think that's an interesting question. If you look Houston, at the, if you Houston look at, has some some picks available. Yeah. So if you look at your draft board and say, well, we have a one and a one A. So if somebody is completely over the moon for Cade Cunningham and we like Jalen Green just as much and we can actually get him at a lower salary too as a second pick uh like what why wouldn't you do that i i think i do see some logic in that if if that is your evaluation as a front office um so i i think i think that is going to be a really interesting thing to watch and i don't think it's just smokescreen um colin says uh with high schoolers potentially being able to be drafted again does that make front office jobs harder how would that have changed your job in memphis when you were there yeah i think you know going around evaluating high schoolers is harder on two levels one they're just younger so you're you're just coloring in more lines that may or may not be there uh the other thing is you're not seeing them play against as high level competition because you're watching them in aau tournaments and high school games and whatnot so i, th- I think it's more difficult because of that too um I've talked to some scouts about this who were scouting when high schoolers were eligible, and they seemed to think it wasn't that big a deal, actually. Uh, so they their opinion differed from mine. Uh, but I don't know. T- to me, I like I feel like it would it would have changed my job and my ability to evaluate significantly. And I guess coming from like coming from an analytics side too, like when you're evaluating high schoolers, it's it becomes almost all eye test. So. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, I naturally kind of retch against that. Yeah, I mean, you've got like the EYBL stats that apparently have some kind of yeah. predictive value. You now. you do, and you U18s and stuff. I mean, you have some information yeah. you can work with, but it's hazier. Now, I would say that I, I think ha- having scouted approximately one one thousandth as many games in person as you have for players, but I actually sometimes found that like the Hoop Summit and Adidas Nations and some of like the high school all-star stuff, uh, I actually found those more useful than college tape a lot of the time because I think the sometimes the level of competition is higher just in terms of like the overall talent level. Um, now, obviously, if we're talking about a guy playing like a high school game game in January in South Carolina or something then yeah that's that's a little bit different although a lot of these guys play on high school teams that are so good at this point you know if they're like Montvert or something like that uh that yeah you know, they're in if more you watch if you watch yeah. the if you watch the game where they play against another loaded high school team yeah that could be helpful too uh yeah yeah and I I I I, I do agree with hoop some of the problem is it's just such a small data point right where you're watching a couple of practices in one game uh and you as opposed to seeing a whole season no i i agree with you but yeah i do think and also college basketball now is the longer three-point line i think college basketball is strategically changing to be more like pro basketball than it was maybe five or ten years ago so maybe college is more useful now than it used to be so yeah i'm uh i'm not looking forward to it it'd make my job a little bit harder but i'm not the one who has to actually go in person and see uh many of these all right and uh let's do one more here do you think let's see uh what roster improvements could charlotte make to try to be the next young dangerous team they're low-key in pretty good shape i mean they got they got a lot of cap room if they want to use it i mean it looks like they can get to like 20 uh 20 ish million yep. uh even with Devonte graham's cap hold and so you know they i think
think you make a play for a center is probably the biggest thing. Uh, yeah, that's what that's what you'd be looking to do if you were them. Yeah, uh, and maybe I mean, how much can you fake your way through against good teams playing PJ Washington at five and Bridges at four? Like, is, is like is that sustainable at a high level, or is it just like like a fun little ruse that you know gets you through some games in January? Uh, I do think there's going to be some centers out there. You know, you, reasonable people can disagree on whether any of them are worth $20 million a year. I think that's one of the things they're really going to have to look hard and evaluate. Uh, I could see them making a run at, like, Jared Allen, though. Uh, you know, at least play a game of chicken with Cleveland, maybe. Uh, you know, is, are there other guys that they could bring in to fill that space? It's where it gets a little tricky. Like, does, does somebody like Montrezl Harrell make sense for them? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, you know, maybe, maybe not. Uh, that, that, that's, that's where it gets tough. But I think definitely, I mean, you got to address the front court. So I think they have two paths. One is, okay, let's just get as good as we can for next year, which has largely been the mantra in Charlotte for quite some time. The other one is, you know, so, okay, go after Rashawn Holmes. I wouldn't want to spend $20 million on him, but, you know, I think he's the best center on the market, can roll out. Like, I do think in the short term, particularly having a good role man, someone like Harrell as well. Again, you don't want to pay him too much, but someone who could be a good role man for LaMelo because they don't actually have any centers under contract for next year at all right now you know maybe they'd bring back cody zeller as the backup as well but you also might say you know traditional centers where we go in with a a lot of money locked up in a traditional center and but you could say hey you know like the bucks and the hawks they're playing traditional centers this year uh as a quick aside how many teams are going to like push all the chips in uh, based on what phoenix and atlanta did this year and just totally screw that up and like mess up their futures now like trying to emulate them but <laughs> yeah so so like what what about i actually this what about charlotte as a siakam destination Ooh, okay i kind of like Play that so you can do an unbalanced could, yeah you can do like an un- unbalanced trade right um you, like they don't have quite enough room but you're are you saying like you'd put like bridges or something or yeah or or maybe you'd you would go with a pick or maybe even uh toronto would just kind of be happy to get off of that money to some degree um so so you know you might have to put a pick in in the future but i like it because he could play pick and roll he could be another mismatch scorer could play some small ball center if you needed him to then you just kind of get a couple of bargain basement fives but maybe you close with siakam at the five you've got hayward still rosier siakam lamella like that might be pretty good yeah that's an interesting one i like that i like that uh the, yeah they got there's maybe a little bit of calisthenics that has to happen to get the uh to get the salary in there but actually if they put if they were willing to put terry rosier in they, they could definitely get there so yeah i have no idea though what toronto is thinking how they're feeling about siakam who their general manager might be for next year that, is, is <laughs> right, that important right to, to, yeah, to, Toronto is definitely kind of the mystery meat as far as what's what's going to happen this offseason. I, I think people don't totally know yet if they're coming or going. All right. Well, we unfortunately are going, but thanks to everyone who joined us today on Spotify Green Room. And we'll be back next Wednesday. Normal time is 2 Eastern, 11 Pacific. John's traveling around a little bit more now, so we may make some adjustments to that, but we'll always announce it ahead of time on Twitter, of course. And we'll talk to you all next week. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 
21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.